grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you all. Well, May and June are times of the year when it seems to be time to celebrate. There's a lot of special events that happen during this time. There's Mother's Day and Father's Day. There are weddings, there are graduations, and then of course, confirmation. During all these times, we acknowledge the, the various successes or accomplishments that are happening in the people's lives. So it's a, a time for us to, to celebrate, and in that celebration, also to have a spirit of thankfulness. Today, as we are celebrating the confirmation of these young people, we also do it with a spirit of thankfulness. Thankfulness to God. In fact, that's going to be our theme throughout the month. Thanking God for the various blessings that he has given us. And today, especially, we want to thank him for that gift of faith that he has given these young people. That's how Paul wrote his letter to the young pastor, Timothy, as he was reflecting on the training he had had and his upbringing, thanking God for the gift of faith that was given to him. Let's stop and reflect on Paul's words and apply them to our lives and to the lives of these young people this morning. Our text is from 2 Timothy chapter 1. I thank God whom I serve as my ancestors did with a clear conscience as night and day I constantly remember you in my prayers. Recalling your tears, I long to see you so that I may be filled with joy. I am reminded of your sincere faith, which first lived in your grandmother Lois and in your mother Eunice, and I am persuaded now lives in you also. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God, which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. So do not be ashamed of the testimony about our Lord, or of me, his prisoner. Rather, join with me in suffering for the gospel by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time, but it has now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. Now these young people have spent a couple of years studying very intensely the basic truths of the Christian faith. And of course, as they are studying, we give them grades. And like any student, they all want that A grade. And they all got it. <laughs> They're all smart kids. But today, we're not talking about the A we're giving you, but rather the A you are going to give to God. So there are three key words that I want you to remember, and they all start with the letter A, based on what Paul was writing. The first is to appreciate this gift. When somebody gives you a gift, you say thank you. 
When somebody gives you a gift, you also reflect on it and how valuable it is. It might be valuable because of who gave it to you. It might be valuable because of what it can do for you. That's what Paul was talking about, the value of our faith. He starts out saying, I thank God for this faith that was given to you. Now, sometimes when we celebrate accomplishments or achievements, we focus on the effort that was put into that achievement by the people themselves. But this time, we're not focused on the effort of the young people because that's not where their faith came from. The Apostle Paul said this, He has saved us and called us to a holy life, not because of anything we have done, but because of his own purpose and grace. This grace was given us in Christ Jesus before the beginning of time. I'll just stop and think about that for a moment. Before the beginning of time, before we were ever born, before this world was even created, God already had planned to give us grace. That certainly underscores the fact that we're saved by grace because there was nothing we could have done. We didn't exist. But God in his plan of grace had it all set to save us. You see, because he knew what our situation would be. He knew that we would be born into this world as sinners, people who would rebel against him and his will, and therefore deserve his just punishment. But God wants to save us, and so he provided that plan also. It says it's now been revealed through the appearing of our Savior, Christ Jesus. As we just heard in the scripture lesson and the choir singing, God sent his own son into this world to do what we couldn't do, to live perfectly under all of the laws, and to do what should have been done to us, but God didn't want, and that is to be punished for sins. He punished Christ instead of us. And then to do one more thing for us that we could not do, rise from the dead, so that we too will rise and live forever. That's God's plan of salvation. That's what we're reflecting on as a value, as something important for us. Now, it's somewhat, I guess, traditional at confirmation time that the confirmants receive gifts from family members, maybe friends. I know when, when I was confirmed uh, a couple hundred years ago, um, it was kind of traditional that the parents would, would give their kids a, a hymnal and a Bible. And that's what I got. And those are very special gifts. Your name was embossed on it. And, and that's what I used to study then through high school and college and seminary. And then in 1981, when I was assigned to Southern California, I sent all my library out here via the mail. Only the post office lost about a third of my library, my notes and my valuable books including that Confirmation Bible and hymnal. But although those special gifts were lost, what those gifts gave me, that is faith in Jesus and guidance to live my life and praise to him, those were not lost. Now, 
maybe I should have taken better care in shipping them so they would not have been lost. But for sure, I need to protect my faith, as do you. Because there are a lot of things that are working to attack our faith. All sorts of things that are working to keep us away from God. So we need to protect it forever. That is for eternity. Listen to what Paul said. He said, but now has been revealed through the appearing of our Savior Christ Jesus, who has destroyed death and has brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. He is reminding us there that we have been saved forever. And so our goal must be to protect our faith forever. Now, sometimes when we receive a gift, we'll evaluate its value based on maybe how much it costs. Or maybe it'll have some sentimental value, that is, because of who gave it to us. Or maybe there'll be a practical value to it, what it's going to do for us, how it can use it. So you have been given something very valuable. Use it. If you got as a gift a cell phone, would you take it and put it in a box and then put it in a drawer and just leave it there so it was safe from damage? Or would you just put it on the shelf and just leave it there and not use it? I doubt it. You would be very quick to learn how it works and to start using it. Same with your faith. Protect it because of the value from who gave it to you and what it will do for you. So let me just summarize this point by urging you to do what Paul was telling Timothy to do. Value your faith and protect it. And not only your faith, but also the faith of others as well. Paul in his letter is going to go on and talk about the different trials and, and tests and temptations that will come our way. And notes how these things can take people away from their faith in Christ and thus lose their salvation. In his letters to Timothy, he writes that well-known passage, the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil. And he describes what happens when people simply desire to get rich. They lose and their faith and, and, and bring all sorts of trouble into their life. You know, sometimes we humans only think far enough ahead as far as the end of our nose, or maybe I should say the, the end of our hands. That is, we only think about what we can get. But our life is not just the 70, 80, I'm shooting for 100 years that we live on this earth. God has blessed us with eternal life. And so we need to protect our faith from those trials and temptations so that we are set for eternity. Jesus gave that same encouragement in Revelation when he said, I am coming soon. Hold on to what you have so that no one will take your crown. How do you hold on to your faith? How do you protect it? By regularly hearing God's word, 
regularly worshiping God, regularly receiving the sacrament that gives you the assurance of forgiveness and salvation. That's how God will work to protect your faith. So appreciate this gift that you have. The second letter, A, reminds us of this message from Paul. Acknowledge who gave you this gift. Now, oftentimes when you get a gift, you will say, oh yeah, I got that gift from so-and-so, and you may even write them a thank you. Well, let's remember who gave you this gift. Paul emphasized that real clearly. He said, it's by the power of God. He has saved us and called us to a holy life. All right, so now it's time, uh, eighth graders, for a, a little quiz. Let's uh, fill in the blank. Who gave you the gift of faith? Fill in the first blank. God did, right. And he did it by the working of two blanks, two words. Very good, Ian, by the working of the Holy Spirit. And what did the Holy Spirit use? Two more blanks. It's a gift that he gave us, but what did he use to give us that faith? Remember, the pastor always makes you sing a song on this, right? The means of grace, the word and the sacrament. You remember an activity we did in class. I had them one day pick one of their classmates, uh, two of them come to the front, and one of them, I gave him a roll of toilet paper. And I said, toilet paper, your classmate. Wrap them up like a mummy. And so they did. And then I took some little post-it notes and put it on there, and I said, well, you are dead because you're a mummy. You're blind, you can't see. You're deaf, you can't hear. And you're all wrapped up, you can't do anything. That was to illustrate that's our natural spiritual condition when we are born into this world. We don't know God. We can't understand God's message. But then I'll have another classmate come up and take all of that wrapping off of them to show that it's God who comes and unties us, unwraps us. It's God who shines the light of his love into our hearts so that we can see his grace and know him as our Savior. It's simply God who gives us faith. And he does that through that means of grace, the word and the sacraments. But God doesn't work alone. God also works through the ministry of people, parents, pastors, and teachers. You've been blessed with loving Christian parents who themselves have faith in God and want you to have that valuable gift also. And so they brought you to the Lord in baptism. They brought you to his word in Sunday school and church and at home and in the Christian school here so that you would hear that word and learn it and know God's love for you intensely. And that's what God has done. He has worked through your parents and your pastors and teachers to give you this valuable gift. So acknowledge who has brought it to you. But parents, at, at this time, I'd like to give you a little bit of encouragement. Paul was writing this letter, as, in a sense, as if he were Timothy's parent. And in one sense, he was his spiritual parent. Paul is reflecting on how he 
did and continues to pray for Timothy, point him to the scriptures, and guide him in his life. Parents, that's your continuing role. You have done it, and you must continue to do that, to pray for them, to guide them, and to point them to the scriptures. And a little bit later on in our service, we're going to ask you to make that promise publicly, just as they are making their vows publicly. But you're not going to be doing this alone. Your church is here to help you with that. And so rely on your church also to help you in this awesome responsibility you have to raise your children in the Lord. But above all, let's acknowledge who it is who gives us and keeps us in this saving faith. It is God who will work through us. All right, there's one more letter A that we have to deal with. Paul said that Timothy's faith was a sincere faith. It meant unhypocritical. It wasn't just one spoken with words. It was one that was lived out in action. And so he gives the encouragement now to activate your faith. Here's how he put it. For this reason, I remind you to fan into flame the gift of God which is in you through the laying on of my hands. For the spirit God gave us does not make us timid, but gives us power, love, and self-discipline. Let your faith show in your character. He used three words to describe that character. First of all, he said power. By that, he meant a boldness to share your faith, a firmness to stand on the truths of Scripture and not be moved from them, and a faithfulness to stay true to God. There's a lot of pressure out there in this world to move us away from God. Therefore, we need that spirit of strength to remain faithful to Him. Rely on Him. Hold on to what He has given you. That's your strength. He also talked about having a spirit of love, spirit of love for other people. When we see people in their needs, when we see people who need help, we're urged to respond. But let's recognize this, that the greatest need people have is a spiritual need, a need to know God as their Savior and thus have eternal life. And so let that spirit work that love in you to desire to share that message with others and serve God through the church. And then he urges us to have a spirit of self-discipline. There are not just pressures on the outside world that are trying to get us away from God. There's a lot of pressure that comes just from the inside, from our own spiritual failings. We need self-discipline to hold on to God's word and to desire to live our lives in his will. And so he's calling us not just to have this character, but also to have this action. He says, don't be ashamed of your faith. Live it out. Just like a fire is something you can clearly see, so fan into flame this fire of faith that God has given you. We who live in California know what winds can do when there's a brush fire. Use the, the fire, the, the, the wind of the Holy Spirit, to take that fire of faith and to fan it into, fan it into flame 
so that people can see your Lord through you. So finally, just want to ask you the question, what are you going to do with this gift? How will you live? Live according to your faith with a spirit of thankfulness for a very valuable gift that God has given you. And then use that gift to motivate you to serve others with a spirit of thankfulness in how God has served you. And we do it all because we have been given a very precious gift, the gift of faith. Thank God. Amen.